Well, welcome back after your uh, Christmas break, two Sundays off. Uh, as Adam says, we come back full of chocolate and turkey. Traditionally, this is kind of uh, Sleepy Start Sunday. Uh, and it's also an opportunity for a, a different type of talk, uh, a one-off, uh, an idea that might carry through the rest of the year. And so, in fact, today and next Sunday, we want to throw out two ideas that we think might be important or big for us through the whole of the rest of the year at G2. So today you have me talking about something, and then next Sunday we'll have Miriam talking uh, about a, another key thought uh, for the year ahead. Now, to understand today's talk, you need to appreciate my great love of science fiction. Yes, I do own a sonic screwdriver. I understand what a flux capacitor does. I can tell you why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, and I know why Buck Rogers is in the 25th century and what he's doing. Now, before your eyes glaze over, I promise you that today's talk is not about science fiction. But there is like an, an idea in one of the threads of science fiction that is kind of helpful to us this afternoon. And it's the kind of uh, science fiction writing that captures my interest most of all. And it's when a story is set either in the present day or maybe like just a little bit into the future and, and everything is the same in the background of the story except that one thing has been changed. And because one thing has been changed, that one changed idea, suddenly everything is different because of that. So it might be you've got a time machine. That might be the idea. Everything's the same except you've got a time machine. So suddenly everything's different. Or it might be, uh, what if you lived in a world where instead of money, you had a life clock? And, and your money and how long you live was built into you and the two were the same. Or what if you lived in a world where every year teenage tributes fought to the death in order to preserve the peace? Yeah, Hunger Games. Or what if uh, overnight everyone became blind, but a few people could still see? Do you remember that one day of the Triffids? So this type of idea of science fiction, stay with me, stay with me. <laughs> this, this idea of science fiction is all about saying, what if everything was the same, but one thing flipped? One thing was done differently. How would all of our lives be transformed and changed because of that? And so I kind of want to ask that question today. I want to ask the question, what if? What if something was different? Now, a few months ago, I had a dream. Uh, and in the dream, I had a conversation with someone at G2. Then I had another conversation in the dream with an, another person, also at G2. And then in the dream, I preached a sermon about the two conversations. And then when I woke up the next morning, I could remember most of the conversations, the two conversations, and about half of the sermon. So when I got into the office, I just wrote some notes on it. And then we put it in the diary and we said, how about Christian does that talk at the beginning of the year? So the, the talk I'm doing today is a talk I've already heard, because I heard it <laughs> in a dream. And I only had to prepare half of it. So, um, now, 
Um, hang on. Oh, I've lost my place. Never had lib. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it went much better in the dream. <laughs> um, let me read to you a passage uh, of the, uh, the Bible. Uh, Acts 2.17 says this. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Now, the theology nerds in the room will have already figured out the key thought in that passage that's relevant. Your sons and daughters prophesy. Young men see visions, and old men dream dreams. Young men have visions, and old men <laughs> dream dreams. Yes, God is reminding me that I am now old. <laughs> this year's my 50th year, so I'm like officially feeling old. I can nearly count the number of hairs on my head. I have to wear glasses when I read, and I'm getting a prophetic dream from God to remind me you are now old. Let me go back to these conversations. In this dream, I had two conversations with people in G2. And in the first conversation, I, had a, 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 I spoke to somebody, and they were telling me, they wanted to speak to me, they asked to speak to me, and they wanted to tell me how much they valued church, particularly church on Sunday. And they told me in this conversation, they said, life's really busy. Um, being a parent can be challenging at times. Money sometimes is tight. There's not enough hours in the day. There's lots of pressure. Jobs and work can be hard. They, they, they don't always run on the same values of Jesus that I'm trying to live my life by. And so I really value Sunday because Sunday is the time when I get to realign myself. Sunday is the time when I get to recharge and to top up to get some friendship time with other Christians, to hear a bit of the Bible, to receive some inspiring worship, hopefully an encouraging talk, and a spiritual boost that will lift you through the week. Uh, and in this dream, the person was telling me how much they value church, the rhythm of church, every week, because it was a vital part of helping them put together all these challenges and demands. And it was a great conversation. I was, I was, like in the dream, I was really moved emotionally to hear how important church was to help that person. And then in my second conversation, I spoke to somebody else, also at G2. And they wanted to tell me as well how much they loved church, how valuable and important it was in their life. And they told me that in the last few years, they've been growing in their faith, and they're enjoying reading the Bible. And they've been enjoying learning how to pray. And they've been valuing learning how to feed themselves and encourage themselves, and how to give and receive encouragement. And they said to me in this conversation, that's why I love church so much on Sundays, because I get to come along. And what I've done is I've been able to prepare my heart, and so I can come to church ready to go. And so in this second conversation, this person was telling me, Sunday is like, it's like the peak of the mountain of their week. They look after the spiritual basics themselves. They take care of the warm-up for Sunday, 
And then Sunday for them, the gathering together is like the launch of the next week. And it's an opportunity for them to be used and to give something. This was a dream of two conversations of actual people in the church. And it wasn't that uh, it was a one good and one bad conversation. It wasn't that it was a, a right conversation and a wrong conversation. It was two really relevant conversations. Life is challenging. Of course it is. Sunday is for all of us a recharge and a realignment. But in the dream, this question lingered in my mind. What if? See, all of us are a mixture of those two conversations. We all find some resonance with each of those bits. The first conversation, the person that's encouraged and recharged. The second conversation, the person who feels launched and ready to give. We're all a mix of that. But what if this year as a church, we became more of the second conversation? What if over this year, we became more like that person who says, I take care of the basics, and I come when we gather together ready to go, ready to give, and ready for more. Now, in my experience, most churches organize to feed the first conversation. That's my observation, particularly in the West, that churches organize to feed the top-up culture, the realign culture, the recharge culture. And again, I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying that's an observation of, in general, the national culture of church. By default, that would be our norm to address that as we grow, as we develop, as we plan to speak into that and to feed that. But what if it was different? What if we pursued the second conversation and made that increasingly our goal? What if the first worship song didn't need to be the warm-up and Dan didn't need to warm us up? What if we didn't need an icebreaker to draw us into the mood and the thoughts of what we were doing? What if we collectively turned up the spiritual temperature to see what starts to boil? Are we pressing into what God has for us? You see, we live so much in a, a culture and an age of entertainment that we can so easily become spectators and consumers of the idea of church rather than players and participants. You, you don't learn to cook by sitting in a restaurant eating the food. You're close to the idea, but you're not going to grow into being a better cook through that. You don't become a better football player by watching from the stand. You might understand more about what's happening, but you won't improve until you get onto the pitch and start practicing. You don't increase your wisdom and your knowledge by just sitting in a library. You have to engage and read the books and have some ideas and write some things down. And you don't discover more of what God has for you and for your church unless you embrace a culture of stepping in and stepping out. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes to the Corinthian church to encourage them. And we'll pick it up at verse 20. And he says this. Brothers and sisters, 
Stop thinking like children. In regard to uh, evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. Then he talks about spiritual gifts and prayer and prophecy and the power and the value of all those things. And then he picks it up again in verse 26. When you come together, each one of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation and everything must be done so that the church can be built up. See, Paul's encouraging the church to move beyond the basics. He's saying to them, apart from an evil when you should just be as innocent as a child and just say no and run away, apart from that, all of us need to grow into maturity. It's not wrong to be at a starting point, but the trajectory is let's grow in our thinking towards an adult engagement with our faith. He wants them to grow into and discover what God has for them. He also wants them to understand the changes that that growth will ask and require of them. In those middle verses, 21 to 25, he talks about the power and the value personally of prayer and spiritual gifts and time with God and engaging with God and having those conversations and that time with that. And he's wanting them all to be people who learn how to engage more and more with God. And then in verse 26, he says, when you come, each one of you now will have something to give. That is, everybody's prepared something for that meeting together. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody's able to contribute. Everyone has something to give to that meeting. It might be a prophecy or a prayer or a song or an encouragement. All things that build up and encourage the meeting. And the result, he says, is that the church is built up. That's the outcome we want. What does it take to be a built-up church, a spiritually strong church, a vibrant and effective, a healthy a mature church? It takes the participation and the preparation of everyone that's involved in investing in what that can be. And then he, he gives in those verses we didn't read in the middle. The example, he says, um, if, if you all seek God, if you're all able in effect to prophesy out what God has been saying to you during the week, when you gather together, people who haven't met God yet will realize, wow, God lives in the lives of these people and it will be evidence to them that God is alive and people can discover God through that. He says this, the secrets of their hearts can be laid by so they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is amongst you. That's, that's one of the results, one of the outcomes of being a built-up church, a growing church. So how's your focus? Where are you on this? Where instinctively do you place yourself? Consumer or contributor? spectator or player and participator we can all ask ourselves some questions so let's let's just do a little quick quiz in your own head let me throw out some questions to you first question 
did you prepare for this meeting today? I know I've got an advantage, like I was preaching, so like, I can put a big tick, but I also, it's also my job, so I, I have to exclude myself from that, not look smug like, well, I did, you know. Um, but did you prepare for this meeting today? If you were leading the children's work or leading the worship or leading the meeting, of course you would have prepped because you were doing something. But did part of your week involve a spiritual investment into this gathering? Or was the culture that you came and allowed others to have done that? Did we leave the spiritual preparation of this meeting to some people whose names were on a rotor list? Or did we all invest time in asking God, what does he want to do? One of the most encouraging things for me, if I'm leading a, a service, is when someone contacts me and says, can you just tell me what, what, what passage you're looking at or what idea you're looking at? Because I'd really love to pray about that during the week. Or if somebody maybe comes up to you in the meeting and they say, I've, I've been praying about this service and I feel that, dot, dot, dot. And they've got something to offer or to encourage or to contribute. So next question. Did you bring something to this meeting today? Chocolate would be nice. But the Bible said you could bring a song or a word or a prayer or an encouragement. I don't think it's a closed list. You could, there are numerous things that we could have brought. Well, every one of us is in the place where we can bring something that adds to the value of when we gather together. I've got a friend who leads a church in Africa, and he said his father taught him never go to church. Never go to a church meeting unless you have something to take. And he isn't, they were poor, very poor. So it wasn't like giving out of abundance. It was sometimes giving out of poverty. Maybe sometimes they'd just take some food to share or they'd take a gift for something. His father said, if you've nothing else to do, you should write down some Bible verses on pieces of paper and, and find people who need encouragement and give them some encouragement from the Bible. And so he said as a child, he'd go to church with a pocket full of bits of paper and give people Bible verses. So maybe you bring something physical, something practical, but maybe we just bring the expectation, the hope, the attitude, the focus. Hey, I'm going today, I've got something to give. Maybe I don't even know what I'm going to give, but I'm going to go. That's my attitude. I'm going to give something today. Next question. Did you warm up? If we were playing football, if we all agreed, right, we're going to go and play a football, here's the time, um, everyone turn up in time for that, we'd all know to warm up before the game. We'd all know that. We'd all like, come on, we've all played football more than once, we know. You warm yourself up before then you participate in the game. When we come together, we only have 75 minutes. I've got friends that lead churches that go three hours, okay? I'm open to that. Do you know what? Because I love church. I'm open to that. But maybe that's because they're doing all the warm-up in the meeting. What if we warmed up spiritually before we came? Was it Dan's job? Oh, there you are, Dan. <laughs> Was it Dan's job to warm our hearts this afternoon? Or did we do that for ourselves so we come ready to fully participate when it starts. Did you come ready? Next question. Before the meeting started, did you just chat to friends? 
or did you chat to anyone that you don't yet know? And it might be both. And it's so easy for us to focus on me and my friends, the people that we already know. That's our comfort zone. It's, it's so easy. That will be our default and our norm. Let me just give you one story. Last year, um, somebody emailed me who wanted to come to church and they wanted to find out they weren't a Christian, they wanted to come along to church. So they emailed me, so I sent them the details. I said, I'll, I'll look out for you, I'll say hi on Sunday. And on Sunday, I forgot to see them, but I thought, I'll, I'll email them on Monday. So I emailed them on Monday. I said, hi, sorry I missed you. Did you manage to make it? How was it? They said, and I said, oh, I'm sorry I didn't speak to you. And they said, I did come. I didn't meet you. Nobody spoke to me. I don't want to come again. And I thought, oh, in the context of a church that's really friendly, it's so easy for us to miss that there's somebody there who doesn't know anyone. There's somebody who's being left out. We can so easily walk in with a, uh, a spectator, consumer attitude and switch into that as a norm. Where are my friends? Where's my food? Where's my favorite biscuits? What? They're not there. What are these idiots doing? Come on. Do church properly. Bring back the donuts. I didn't have any donuts today, but they're there. Available for you. <laughs> What's our attitude as we come? Another question. After church, what do you do? Do you instinctively review what others did? Or do you review your contribution? Maybe in the car you go home and you, you critique the talk or the worship. Or do you think about yourself and what you did and then maybe like, oh, I could have done this. Oh, I could do that next time. Is that, do, you, do you do that for others or do you do it for yourself? What does the tape in your head say as you're going home? Does it say Christian really needs to get better at telling jokes? Or does it say... I really want to get better at welcoming others. What naturally happens in your head? Last question. Do you follow up on Sunday? Do you follow up maybe on the people you met, the things you heard about, the people that need encouraging? In your head, are you a consumer? And when, the, when it's over, you leave and it's done. And hey, Adam and Rach, they can you know, text everyone and say, well done and... Uh, send a note to the kids, maybe, and thank the people that got here. Like, we'll leave it to them. You know, they're the leaders. They can do that. I'll come back next Sunday and see what Miriam's doing. So hear about that great talk. Do, we, do, you, do you leave the show, or do you, do you carry on with what you've heard? What if we all went away and sent some encouraging messages and rang someone up during the week and say, how are you doing, how are you doing that thing? Or, or, or sent a note to one of the kids, or whatever it might be. What if, we, what if we all did that? What kind of amazing outcome might come from that? This talk was a dream. And in this dream, I loved these conversations. There is in my heart no hint of criticism in what I'm talking about today. I just want us to be encouraged. I want us to step into what God has for us. And as we grow, I know it's possible to grow in a self-focused way by default. It's the norm of our society. 
but we need to grow in a way that's God-focused and is around Jesus' values. And I get there's challenges. I get, I get how hard and impractical it may be. I'm not saying if you rocked up with seven kids today, you know, did you spend an hour with Jesus before you came? No, you deserve a medal just for walking in the door, if that's your story, or any number of other reasons why life is hard and challenging. There are times when we are that person that just needs to receive. We need to be on the receiving end of the encouragement and the affirmation and the support. When our batteries are run to zero and we need to be recharged, we need to be realigned, we need to be encouraged. But we can all step into being a giver. We can all be like that African friend of mine who says his father told him, you can always give. You've always got something to give to add to that meeting. What if? What if in increasing measure we gave ourselves to coming ready? What if we gave ourselves to being charged up? What if we came ready more to give to others and to give to people who are new? What if we came with the attitude that, hey, we're, we're all co-leading this gathering. We're all contributing and leading to it. What if over this year we became more open to the work of the Holy Spirit and we pressed into all that God has in store for us? What if? What if?